Welcome back to Lords of Order, a DC's Dr. Fate fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore. This is a spoiler podcast. Not as big a deal this episode as it was last episode. If you want to send feedback, you can send it to the Dr. Fate fan podcast at gmail.com. Leave comments on the website at bigtimenoise.com slash drfate or on the Facebook or Google Plus pages for Lords of Order. And finally, if you twit or tweet, you know, whatever the kids call it, you can do so at Teal Productions, and I will see that. More Golden Age goodness for us today. More fun comics, 80, circa June 1942. This is scripted by Gardner Fox, penciled, inked, and lettered by Howard Sherman. The story is entitled The Octopus. And as with most of these so far, you can find this reprinted in Golden Age Dr. Fate Archives from DC. Um, 2007 is when that was published. Now, our narrator starts off telling us we have uh, the, the first panel, which um, is quasi, let's see, it's quasi a, a uh, story page. The actual story portion is an inset. Uh, the main portion of the page shows Dr. Fate in a, uh, in a carnival, the octopus with a, an octopus shadow on a, the tent behind him, but the octopus is just a, a man-looking dude. And our narrator is saying, from the depths of the underworld rises the clutching tentacles of the octopus. The black mist of evil that attends his presence spells death and terror for those on whom it falls. And though through the pal of crime crashes the mighty form of Dr. Fate, with savage fury he smashes into the midst of evil, scattering it as the wind does dry leaves. Now, I don't know how you guys heard that from what I said, but in my head when I was saying that, that sounded exactly like a 1940s radio show opening, like what the narrator would read there. So I kind of dig that that's how they're opening these stories, which... Given the time, I guess it's uh, not surprising. Uh, as far as today, though, we, we don't get openings like that. at a, We hardly even get a, a daggone recap page in books nowadays because the uh, 22 to 23 page is, is so sanctum holy that they can't take a page to do a recap or whatever. You know? They only charge us five freaking bucks a pop for that stuff, and they can't give us a recap. Um, I'm sorry. All right. We open with um, a dude in his room when a dark mist comes into the room and a head pokes out of the mist talking to him. And it's a human head, but it's, it's green. And this person tells the bad guy who he's talking to that he refers to as Ginger uh, several times. So I assume that that is his name. So the octopus has come looking to talk to Ginger and uh, convinces him to join him in his carnival of crime that he is setting up, as Ginger is one of the top forgers in the biz. Um, For some reason, the octopus takes this particular moment, and I guess it's more for us, the viewing audience, than Ginger himself. But he explains, uh, the octopus does, my spray gun condenses the gases in the air into black clouds. Not quite sure how that works. 
That is all there is to my secret, but certain fools think I am a human octopus, so I intend to make them sure of it. Now, he makes it sound like he's nothing but a dude with a gun, right? Um, but he's got a, a green... Uh, his whole head is green, like that's the color of his skin. And he is shown to be probably stronger than a normal person because in in trying to convince ginger he picks him up and threatens to slam him against the wall in order to uh persuade him to join forces with the octopus so he you know he has more than normal strength he's got green skin at least on his face and his his whole head um everywhere else is covered with a suit a, a green suit also by the way uh, and he's wearing gloves so we can't see any other skin so uh, so he's something more than just human, I think, or he's a uh, an altered human or something. But so he's called the octopus because he has the the dark cloud like uh, squids and octopod do uh, in the ocean. So so world a uh, world excuse me word starts to spread through the underworld. There's what I meant to say. As the octopus is putting together his uh, carnival, he he wants his carnies to be the top men in all of the evil exploits. Grifters, confidence men, pickpockets, hold-up men, kidnappers, forgers. Those are just some of the um, occupations, I guess you could call them, uh, that are solicited expressly in the story as it goes through. So the octopus proceeds with the physical building of the carnival. He uh, has picked a plot outside of town, and they are actually constructing buildings and rides and tents and things like that. The kidnappers, uh, the the way that this is going to work is the kidnappers of the group will go out and kidnap wealthy appearing people. You know, there are those people in society that you know are wealthy, uh, but I think you would run through those pretty quickly. So they are grabbing people that appear to be wealthy by dress, by what they do. You know, they're coming out of fancy plays or stuff like that. And they're going to kidnap them. They're going to take them to the carnival and then let them go, telling the people that they're not really, quote, kidnapped, that they're doing this for publicity, uh, that, that method. And then, of course, the people are there. They'll pay an entrance fee, uh, and then they'll go about their, uh, their messing around in the, in the carnival, and they'll get ripped off in, in the variety of ways uh, including, as I said, being pickpocketed, which I think you would you would notice and word would get out pretty quickly. But So uh, people are coming in, and then at, at one point, one of the groups that they um, grab turns out to be Inza and Kent. They're taken on the way. Let's it slip uh, or says in conversation because again the, the crooks are trying to keep things kind of on the lighter side. Uh, he starts referring to a lot of the crooks by name, and the crooks are like, you know, wow, how did he know my name? And so as he goes into the carnival with Inza, they tell the octopus that, hey, dude knew who I was and knew him and him, you know. So what's up with that? And octopus says, well, he he must be law enforcement. Um, he's familiar with all the criminals in the area, so let's keep an eye on him. Well, they get to uh, just inside the entrance, and the stick-up men are there. Again, publicity. They tell the people that they hold up, give us all your money. Oh, don't worry. This is just a gag. You'll get it. 
on on the way out. You know, you'll you'll get your money back on the way out. And it's then that Kent finally says, you know, something's not right here. I recognize all these people. He's telling into this, uh, all these crooks, and and now people are being held up by uh, people who I know are crooks as well. Some, something's not right here. So let me let me go do my fate thing over here behind this building. Um, and he he uh, changes out his clothes and then comes back in and starts beating up all the crooks that are around here. And we're we're still in that that quippy era, so there's just quip after quip after quip between Doctor Fate and the bad guys. Uh, that's right, your hand, your fate is in my hands. Um, and the crook responds, "Looks like I'm being took for a ride," you know, stuff like that. Corny, corny kind of one-liners and and stuff. Fate is fighting the bad guys that he's coming across. Well, a couple happen to see Inza <laughs> for the first time, this story. And they go and snatch her up. And they say, hey, let's let's climb up this big high wire pole. And there's a high wire that stretches over the carnival. Let's take her up this high wire pole. And when we get up to the top, we'll tell Fate, you know, to go away, leave us alone, you know, whatever. Or we're going to pitch Inza off the top. So they go up there. And that is indeed what they do. Fate doesn't respond quickly enough, and they throw Inza, but she manages to grab hold of the high wire. Um, wire. She's hanging there. She tells Fate, I can hold for a little while, Fate. Go get him. He responds, it'll be a pleasure as he's running, as he's running, excuse me, as he's flying. Now, I say running because I notice that in this picture, as he's flying, he's not doing the leg swipey running motion. Although, somehow, just as he approaches the bad guys, he does manage to trip on the wire or the edge of the platform that they're on or something right in that area. So, I guess maybe he was doing the running motion because he caught his foot and tripped. But he falls into the bad guys. They fall on him, throttle him, which, as far as we know at this point, is Dr. Fate's only weakness. He is... Still, he still functions as a human, so he still has to breathe. Anything that affects his breathing can take out Dr. Fate. About the only thing so far. So they throttle him until he, he uh, grays out, and then they pitch him off the, off the platform also. Uh, no sooner do they pitch him that Inza tires and can no longer hold on, so she falls from her hanging on to the guy wire as well. So now both of them are... are plummeting the, I don't know, eight, ten stories to the ground, roughly it looks like. Now we next see, and fortunately the narrator addresses this, because as soon as I saw this picture, I thought that this is what would happen. The narrator tells us, ten rungs from the ground, Dr. Fate thrusts out a leg. It hooks between the uprights of the ladder and whips his body like a flail. Now, my thought would be, Man, anything from hip to ankle would just be totally destroyed on this man, if not all of it. Well, and I said, narrator, I apologize. It's fate that explains this to us. He says, that shock would snap an ordinary man's leg, but mine, being of pure energy, can absorb the shock. Okay. Uh, You know, Dr. Fate, hero 
uh, superhero. Uh, I I can believe that. Not a problem. Good good job explaining it to me. Because like I said, as soon as I saw that picture, I'm like, well, he's not going to be worth anything. But he's okay. Uh, he's still hooked into the ladder, and he reaches out his hand and says, give the little girl a hand. And he catches Inza, who... Does this not dislocate her shoulder? Um, who knows? Apparently not. So he rescues her. They climb back down to the ground. Um, some of the goons get away. Uh, there's just too many, uh, which you would expect because the carnival is, is laced with them, basically. You know, they're everywhere. So some of the goons get away. Dr. Fate goes back up to the platform for the high wire to take care of those two guys. He, he beats them up takes both of them and throws them at a guy on the platform at the opposite end of the high wire, uh, knocking him out as well. He grabs up a couple of them, takes them down to the ground, rattles them around, uh, hits their head together, you know, whatever, to get them to tell him who is behind all of this. And they tell him it's the octopus. So he grabs up Inza, says he's going to deposit her in a safe place, and then go talk to the octopus. Meanwhile, the two men that did escape are talking to the octopus. Tell him that Dr. Fate is on the way. Now, in the panel where they're telling the octopus, there's a big window, and you can see through the window uh, the shadowy form of Dr. Fate as he's there, too. I, I thought that was kind of cool that they included that. Merging the atomic energy of his body with the structure of the wall... Dr. Fate passes right through it. So there's an explanation as to how he does that. When he does, he um, comes into the room that is filled with a big black cloud. And he's, he's of course, very suspicious. He knows the black cloud means that the octopus is somewhere nearby. Octopus suddenly jumps out of the cloud and again starts to throttle Dr. Fate, this time to where he blacks out. They take Dr. Fate, dump him in a car, uh, take him across town somewhere, leave him in a garage. Now, they close up the garage, and they turn the car on and let it run, because what will happen is the uh, carbon monoxide from the exhaust of the car will ultimately kill Dr. Fate, because he's laying there unconscious, sealed room, car running, etc., etc. Now, as they're something, uh, I'm not really sure... Uh, the next panel shows the octopus with a couple of his men walking down what to me looks like just a, a country dirt road somewhere, and they see Inza. And so for the second time this story, Inza gets grabbed, and they're they're gonna they're gonna off her because she knows enough to give them all away. Um, they've taken care of Doctor Fate, take care of Inza. They can go back to you know what they were doing. Well, just as soon as they snatch her, Doctor Fate drops out of the sky and starts putting the whammy on everybody, subdues the octopus and his two men, and uh, the octopus and the men are like, you know, we thought you were done for. We had you dead to rights. How did you get away? And Fate tells him, well, you know, let's finish this up at the police station, and I'll tell you. So the next panel, we see Fate and Inza, a couple uniformed officers gathered around the three bad guys, so that we can find out, of course, how Dr. Fate managed to get away. And he tells them that, well, I was laying on the floor. My mouth was laying on the floor. The gases from the exhaust are lighter. They rise. So I had some time once the carbon monoxide started filling the room. Looking around, he found a screwdriver 
and with his mouth slashed the tire. Yeah, go, dude. Slashed the tire open with a screwdriver. Man, sucking the air. Uh, you know, in- inhaling the air produced by the tire, stale as it was, allowed him to breathe for a little bit, hold his breath long enough to then get up to the car, open the hood, which I'm not sure how he would be able to just open the hood. I guess in the 40s, that's all you had to do. There was no latch on it. Open the hood, and he used the fan belt from the running motor to slice at the ropes to cut the ropes loose from his hand. Um, The metal fan slit the bonds that held me as easily as a knife cuts butter, he said. Flies out. That's where we, you know, catch up with him when he gets the bad guys. Uh, Octopus, as he's being led away, says, What annoys me most is that I lost money on this idea. (laughs) That's fate for you. Bahaha. So there we go. There's our latest Golden Age adventure from Dr. Fate. Next time out is All-Star Comics Volume 1, Issue 11 which was advertised in this issue of More Fun Comics as being out um, near, if not the same time, as this issue of More Fun Comics. So, episode 70, we will be talking about more Golden Age fate from All-Star Comics. Talk to you guys then. Ciao. Lords of Order is a Teal production. And as such, is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, non-derivative, 3.0, unported license.